Good morning, everyone. I'm Chad Hubbard. I'm one of the elders here at Southridge Church. I'm also in the back uh, often uh, during main services uh, working with uh, your children, uh, specifically uh, students in uh, transit. So it's a great opportunity for me to uh, get out and about a little bit with you here today and uh, you know, introduce uh, myself and, and uh, for those of you that didn't know me and, and share a little more about uh, myself, who I am, what I do here at the church, as well as to you know have the opportunity to give a, a message for which uh, Jeff started uh, our series last week on Ever Wonder Why. But before I get to that, I'd like to give a shout out to all the dads out there because it's Father's Day weekend. And I'm a father myself of, of four hub cubs, as we call it, or three hub cubs and a princess cub, uh, three boys, uh, ages 20, twins, uh, 18 and a little girl uh, at 11. But that's one of the most important titles, one of the most important jobs, impactful, influential roles you'll ever have in your life. And it can be one of the toughest at times, uh, that I know, but it's also mo one of the most rewarding. So I hope today that, you know, after service, you get to go out with your family and they honor you uh, for all that you do, for not only the role, the title, the responsibilities that you hold, um, but they just take that opportunity to, you know, recognize you and all that you give uh, selflessly uh, to the family and never looking for anything in return. So that said, we'll get started on Ever Wonder Why. And I'll start by the fact that, you know, we don't put our faith in faith. We put our faith in God. So as we go into this second week of the series, just remember that. Because we all have questions out there. Our kids often have questions. Teenagers have questions. And adults, we have those very same questions. So have you ever asked a question, or rather had a question, that was so hard you didn't even want to ask it? Say it out loud. Or a doubt so big that you didn't feel like you could share it, especially at church? Well, maybe it's time to ask those tough questions together in our, our new series, Ever Wonder Why. So why didn't God answer my prayer? Have you ever asked that question? We're talking about this week in our new series. I've often had that. I think all of us have. We can all relate to that. One thing to remember is prayer is powerful, but at times it can be confusing. Have you seen God answer some prayers where you say, Wow, God, you showed up big time. You really showed off that time. I mean, I can remember a time in my life not very long ago, about a year and a half now since I retired from the Marine Corps, and I was transitioning to that next stage of life, into what I call First Civ Div or First Civilian Division, where I was going from active duty to find my next career path. And we had a period of time where, you know, I'm searching for a job in the middle of a pandemic, and I'm asking that God guide us towards that next destination, that he's able to align that perfect environment, work environment, family environment, where I have the balance of both, and that it would provide. And you know what? Even though we'd gone a few months because of that pandemic for the search of that next career, he answered, and he answered big time. Even before I got a job opportunity, we were using, going through emergency savings as I was still searching, I was wondering what was going to you know, come of the next month when we had a mortgage payment due. And then out of nowhere, God answered a prayer 
And, you know, a long-lost colleague, a former commander of mine, told me to reach out to a friend of his uh, for a job uh, opportunity that would be just temporary. And that covered that need for that next month for that mortgage payment. So God showed up big time and showed what he could do. That's just an example. But then there's those times when you pray in a similar way, with a similar type of faith, believing that God could do it, but he didn't do what you thought he should, and you knew he could do. So, as I already mentioned, that can be very confusing. Why did he answer some prayers in certain situations and not answer prayers in another? Well, you've got to go into you know, some of those answered prayers, miraculously answered prayers in the Bible, with some of our own unanswered prayers in life. And that's where it can be confusing. Because again, you see in the Bible where these miraculous answered prayers occurred. Such as in Joshua 10. Joshua prayed that the sun would stand still, and God caused the sun to stand still. While we may have prayed for close friends whose marriages were struggling to stay married, but then their marriages ended in divorce. Or in 1 Kings 18, Elijah called for fire from heaven, and fire came from heaven and burned the 800 false prophets that worshipped the false god of Baal. While we may have pleaded with God to heal a loved one who was sick in the hospital and then ended up dying. Or another miraculous time, I think many of you can recount this in the Bible, in Daniel 6, where Daniel was thrown into the pit of the lion's den. And then through his prayer, God prevented the hungry lions from eating them. But yet, we may have been praying for safety on our trip, and we experienced trouble, and we were in an accident. Prayer can be powerful, and occasionally it's confusing. Perhaps we look at the words of Jesus. He says something that builds our faith, and at the same time may confuse us. Jesus said, you can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. So why is it sometimes that we ask him to do something in his name and believe that he would do it, and he didn't? Have you ever prayed for something from God that you knew he could do? You thought he would? but he didn't. And you ask yourself, did I do something wrong? Is God not listening? Is he mad at me? Does he not care? The wisest thing we can do together is to build an understanding of the nature of God and the purpose of prayer. See, we live in a very self-centered culture. We like everything to be about us. However, when we look at the story of the Bible, we need to understand that none of us are the main character in the story. For some of us, that's a pretty hard pill to swallow. When we look at the glory of God in creation and the narrative of his story in the Bible, unfortunately, we are not the main character. God is the main character, and we need to embrace the reality that God does not exist to serve us. On the contrary, the truth is that we exist to glorify Him. When we recognize that He doesn't exist for us, 
but the reality is that we exist for him, that gives a different perspective and a better appreciation. Understanding he is greater than me or you helps to understand the purpose and the meaning behind why it is we pray. So let's define what the purpose of prayer is not so we can understand what the purpose of prayer is. Let's start with what it's not. The purpose of prayer is not to get God to do our will. He's not a puppet on our strings who is we call at a moment's notice and expect instant you know, action. God is the opposite of Santa Claus. If we're good all year to, and we do the right things at church and we're in a small group and we read our Bible and then we pray to God and God says, yes, you've been a good boy and girl, therefore you get everything you want this Christmas. That's not God. The purpose of prayer is to know God so we can do His will. The purpose of prayer is to get to know Him on an intimate level because He is an intimate and relational God. We serve Him. He is not here to serve us. We need to understand that God is not a button to be pushed, but a relationship to be pursued. He's a relational God. He is love. He created us to love us and to be loved by us. The purpose of prayer is not to get God to do our will. Going back to John chapter 14, verses 13 through 14, that I mentioned about earlier, it could be really confusing because Jesus said, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Unfortunately, that's not the way it goes. So what's going on? When we read the Bible, we need to accurately interpret what's in the Bible. We never build our theology on or around one verse that we just pick out of context. Instead, when we're understanding the big beliefs of the Bible, we want to clearly understand the context of what's being said. In other words, the context is the reason for the text. I kind of relate it to something like this. We all get cards in the mail, right? You get those Christmas cards, those birthday cards, recent grads that you know, graduated got cards. And... Some people just tear into the card without seeing who it's from just to get to the contents. And sometimes I think just to get to the contents so they can open that card and let that money fall out because they're worried about the cash. But then they don't read about what's in the text. And then you've got others that you know, will take time to look at the outside of the envelope before getting into the contents of the card or the letter because we want to see who sent it or who was writing this who is it from to whom is it written what were the bigger ideas that were contained inside the card so it's the same when I mention about looking at you know the Bible 
and pulling from the context is the reason for that text. Similarly, we want to know who was at that moment in time writing that. To whom was it being written? And what were the bigger historical ideas going on at the time? Another tool in the toolbox is to use the Bible to interpret the Bible. We use the Bible to build our beliefs about an idea. If we have one verse on prayer, we look at some other verses on prayer. This is how we build our theology. Remember that it's his story and that we're a part of it. This is not our story and he's just a part of it. When we're dealing with this very weighty question, it may cause some people to walk away from their faith. I prayed for my grandma and she passed away. I prayed for my best friend and he took his life. I prayed for whatever, you fill in the blank, and God didn't answer. Why did God not answer my prayer? You may be saying, I prayed and I believed and I thought I did everything right and God didn't do what I knew he could do. Why, why didn't God answer my prayer? To be honest, I want to say as clearly as I can, I don't know. I cannot tell you specifically why God didn't do what he could have done. It's possible that he might have done it for somebody else already or in another situation. Now, while I do not know why he perhaps did not answer your prayer, what I can do is show you in the Bible at least four possible reasons why God didn't do what you asked him to do. Remember, it's a best practice to let God speak and let the Bible interpret the Bible. So why didn't God answer your prayers or our prayers? First, maybe there's the possibility that maybe you have a broken relationship. Maybe that broken relationship is hindering your intimacy with God. And therefore, in this case, perhaps that might be the reason he didn't answer your particular prayer. In Mark 11, Jesus was walking, excuse me, was rather talking to his disciples. He was giving them a lesson on faith. Have faith in God, I tell you, the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you'll receive it, it will be yours. But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against, so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. So now wait a minute. It seems like Jesus is adding a little bit on to his teaching about faith. It seems to be that Jesus is implying that our relationship with other people might have an effect when we pray. Now, for for me, as I mentioned, I'm a proud father of four kids, although I will say my three oldest sons now are young men, and on their next uh, chapter in life, uh, 
beyond high school. But I can recall a time when they were kids that they would be fighting over time on playing a video game or a Nintendo DS, because I think at one point we only had the one Nintendo DS. And so they would get in arguments and want to have their turn. So what do I do in response if they can't figure it out on how to share and get along? I say, you're done. And oh, by the way, there's no ice cream tonight. And let me tell you, that has an impact in the Hubbard household. At Hubbard headquarters, ice cream is of supreme favorite. And if that is shut off, then that's a bad day for all. So why would I reward those who are not learning the bigger lesson here, a life lesson? In this case, for my kids, is about sharing. You know, giving up some of their time, perhaps, maybe even earlier than expected, so their other brother could play. The relationship aspect. Just like Jesus is implying that your relationship with people could impact your relationship with God. In Matthew 5, Jesus was talking to an audience that would stand in line for minutes, even hours, to offer their sacrifice to God. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. So in this text, Jesus is saying that your relationship with other people could impact your relationship with God. Again, we can't answer and tell you specifically, but perhaps you have a broken relationship that could be impacting your intimacy with God. Second possibility. Maybe you've just got the wrong motives. Now, I don't know about you, but there's times throughout my life where I've had and I've prayed some pretty selfish prayers. These prayers were about my happiness, or at least I thought they were, or about that they could make me happy. But sometimes we pray and there's no gas in the tank. We're so focused on what we want that we jump in without checking what we really need. Believe it or not, it's not uncommon to see people pray self-centered prayers with the wrong motives. The Pharisees did this all the time. These situations and prayers are mentioned in several of the biographies of Jesus, the Gospels. Jesus warned, When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, this is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. Perhaps it might be the person in business who says, God bless my business, but they're not willing to tithe. Bless my business, but there's no generosity to help anyone in need. Another possibility? You don't believe God would actually do it. In Mark 9, there was a dad who had a son possessed by an evil spirit. The boy couldn't talk, and he would foam at the mouth. This evil spirit tried to kill the boy by throwing him into the fire and the water. The dad, as you can imagine, is beside himself, as any father would be. 
Can anyone help my boy, he said. And so he goes up to the disciples, like going to them and saying, Hey, you guys are with Jesus. You guys have the power to help him. Can you cast this demon out? And the disciples couldn't do it. And Jesus looked on and could almost see like he was kind of like concerned or maybe disappointed with his disciples. Like, don't you guys have faith? Notice what happens next. Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet. And he stood up. Afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? Jesus replied, this kind can be cast out only by prayer. See, we see a similar situation several other times with Jesus healing, because those seeking healing believed he could heal them. The woman with a blood disorder for 12 years, and Luke, and Matthew, the leper. Your faith matters so much to God. It truly matters to God. But at the same time, we have to remember God is still God, period. In theological circles, there's the prosperity gospel or faith healing that will teach what I would consider to be a distorted message, which is if you have enough faith, then God has to do what you want. God has to heal you, and God has to bless you. You'll be rich if you have enough faith. If you don't have enough faith, it's on you. It's not on God. And I believe that's a dangerous distortion of what Scripture says, because we interpret the Bible in light of the Bible. We don't put our faith in faith. We put our faith in God. And that fourth possibility of perhaps why your prayer has gone unanswered. Maybe, just maybe, God has planned something different. Because oftentimes our prayers, our wants and desires don't align to God's. And he's got something better, bigger, and different planned for you. Maybe in your case, even though you really want it and you really think it's best, like I said, because we're just thinking about me, and all logic tells you it's the best, again, God's all-knowing. Maybe he's got something different. We see evidence of this in John's writing to a local church. And we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know he hears us when we make our requests, 
we also know that he will give us what we ask for. Maybe as much as you want what you want, and as right as you think you are, maybe God has something different in his overall plan and in his will, not just you, or rather not just for you, but for the people around you. This is extremely hard to discern what pleases him when our prayers aren't being aligned. Sometimes it's about timing. When it's hard to discern, it's important to persevere in praying. Paul, who planted churches after attempting to take out churches, had what he described as a thorn in his flesh. We don't know what that thorn was, but we know that at three times, and I don't believe it's like three prayers, like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I, we believe it was more like three seasons of prayer. Paul pleaded with God to take it away. Paul prayed. His relationships were probably as good as it depended on him. His motives were pure, and his faith was strong. Yet God didn't do it. He didn't answer that prayer and remove that thorn in his flesh. Paul says each time he said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, the hardships, the persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You may ask some very legitimate questions which God welcomes. And God may in his own way and in his own time show you that he is still sufficient. His grace is still what you need. So you asked and you believed and you didn't get it. And one day you just recognize God had something different. So why in the world do we bother praying? If it's so complicated that you've got to have this right and that right and praying just right and God appears like he's going to do whatever he wants anyway, why pray? We have to understand that the purpose of prayer is not to get God to do what we want. The purpose of prayer is relational, as we talked about earlier. It's to have that intimate relationship and to get to know God. It's to know Him intimately so that we can do His will, not our will. Have you ever been in a prayer slump? I think we all have. And like in a baseball slump, as Hank Aaron said, my motto was always to keep swinging, whether I was in a slump or feeling bad or having trouble off the field, the only thing to do was to keep swinging. Or another Hall of Famer, Babe Ruth, said, Every strike brings me closer to the next home run. So, keep swinging. Know that if you get a couple strikes against you, it's not the end. And that that home run is coming. God will deliver. He always delivers. It's just going to be in his time and for his glory and for his will, not our own.
So the best way to approach prayer is how Paul explained. Tell God what you need. And thank him for all that he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard our hearts and minds as we live in Christ Jesus. So just remember that. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, during these times we may be left wondering why. Why it is that prayers went unanswered. But let us remember to place our faith in you. Let us recount this message that the purpose of prayer is not to get you to do our will, but rather to know you so that we can do your will. Let us take pause in times prayers go unanswered, and rather than first cast doubt upon you, let us reflect on whether we have relationships that need mending. Let us reflect on whether our motives are pure. Let us reflect on whether we truly believe there is nothing too small or too large that you cannot do. And finally, let us understand that you may have something different planned for us, something even better and greater than we could have ever imagined. And let us remember to thank you, as it is stated, for all you have done and all you continue to do in our lives. Even, not only during the good times, but in those times we face storms in our lives. Because oftentimes it's during those storms when we were praying and we were becoming intimate in our relationship with you that the greatest works are being done within us. We lift all this up in your son Jesus' name. Amen.